Welcome to Keeping Tabs. I'm Tabitha Kroc, and every Monday, we talk to a different community member here in North Idaho. And then we end our weeks with something I'm passionate about, the adventures, outdoors, and sports. So follow along to hear some amazing stories and meet some very interesting people. Hello, everybody, and I have Adam with me today. And Adam is um, public speaker, entrepreneur, web designer, um, a little bit of everything. So thank you so much for doing this with me. And tell us a little bit about yourself and what you're up to. Yeah, thanks. Uh, thanks for the opportunity. Um, so yeah, as mentioned, uh, I, I have kind of a, a vast background in uh, many things web related. Uh, my Background actually is originally in software development, but I pivoted quite uh, quickly out, out of college um, almost a decade ago, really to focus more on digital marketing. Um, although I've been doing some realm of branding, design, web design, digital marketing, that whole gamut ever since. Um, but I would say that's where I probably um, niche myself is with that digital marketing know-how. But of course, you can't market a website until you have a website. And so that always comes uh, first in any, any process. Perfect. Yeah, I, of course it does. <laughs> um, I've, I believe it or not. I've actually had people ask, ask me like, do I really need a website to uh, generate leads and traffic? I'm like, it's probably a good idea. Yeah. So. You, yes, you definitely. Actually, I learned that not too long ago for the, the nonprofit I work with, um, the website is so, I didn't realize this, but I needed a team to tell me this is very important. So, yeah. you know, stepping up the game. Um, so tell us a little bit about also your public speaking. Um, you do that on the side as well. Yeah. So I've had an opportunity to speak in uh, a number of different realms. Um, most of, most of that has been related specifically to digital marketing. Um, although a couple of years ago, I gave a talk on um, cryptocurrency. So that was kind of um, an outlier for me, although something that I've uh, been interested in the past. Um, uh, some of my passions are, are investing in general, um, but uh, lately more around the focus of digital marketing. So um, I spent probably the last, well, since 2009, focusing heavy on really understanding search engine optimization uh, as well as other, you know, periphery digital marketing uh, disciplines. So um, I've had an opportunity to speak at events like Social Media Week here locally. I've done that twice. Uh, I did a talk recently with uh, SEM Rush, um, which is a, um, a digital marketing tool set. I'm doing one here actually next week with another tool set provider, SE Ranking. Um, so I'm getting excited for that. So. Um, yeah, I've just had a lot of uh, people come out of the woodwork um, looking for me to kind of join alongside their brand just to share some expertise in various related topics uh, specific to, to marketing online. Awesome. Well, do you uh, have any upcoming projects you're working on or anything you, uh, you know, especially since we've all been quarantined for a few months and people started to take on some cool projects, anything you've got in your, uh, in your focus right now? Well, um, as mentioned, probably the, the biggest thing on my radar is the, uh, the talk that I'm giving next week. That's going to be, let's see here, that's the ninth. 
Oh yeah. Of uh, June, and that's uh, that's going to be with SE ranking. So I'm working on that right now, and that's really what I'm doing in that talk is I'm breaking down a, a content process that I've used internally quite a bit, um, but kind of putting that out into the public. So it's it's really a deep dive into some of the training that I've provided content writers in the past, specific to how to write for the web. Because oh, cool. one thing that I find that is uh, particularly challenging, you know, especially for writers, uh, regardless of their writing skill sets, is understanding the, uh, I guess, the minutia to write for search engines and to write for the web. Because there is a, a specific um, style and consideration that, that goes into that. I bet. Um, so really I'm breaking down that process, uh, going from the very beginning of how to research what content is uh, worth uh, going after. So that competitive analysis, also the keyword research. So everything from the research onto how to structure the content, to use that data that you set up in the forefront to make sure that you have a better chance of that content actually being found online and really going through that whole gamut. So that's one project that I'm working on right now uh, that's particularly exciting for me. So. Yeah, I mean, or someone like me that does not like to write at all. See, that's why you hire people that not do that. Yeah, and that's, I mean, that's my thing is I, uh, you know, I don't consider myself like a fantastic writer. Um, I can write some okay technical stuff, specifically when it comes to SEO, um, you know, decent tutorials, but, you know, I work with a lot of writers that are much better equipped and suited to write than I am. Um, and that's where that training comes into play. Because I can, I can take a writer who's, uh, you know, really, really good with print or knows all of the, the typical um, do's and don'ts related to that discipline, but then teach them how to utilize that skill and build upon it so that what they write for clients or um, for us internally is going to have a greater chance of, of being found and uh, engaged with. So important. That's really important. It's great. Um, what's one uh, life lesson that you have learned the hard way? The hard way? Um, you know, I guess one thing that comes up is uh, the loss of money. Um, uh, I remember a couple years ago, it was my wife and I were recently married. I think it was our maybe your second or third big trip um, uh, out of the country. Uh, we went to Mexico and we got kind of suckered into um, signing up for a timeshare and not, you know, kind of fast and furious, not really understanding what exactly was going on. It turns out that we signed on the dotted line for. Um, uh, a line of credit, not really understanding what was happening. Like, and so we get home and we realized that, you know, uh, basically we had chalked up a, a $10,000 uh, bill for something that, you know, really was not of any value to us. The, the company actually involved went under, it was just a big debacle. And at the time we were newly married, you know, our careers weren't fully established. Um, it sounded, it, it felt like so much money, like, 10 grand. And I know some people are still today, like 10 grand is a lot of money. Um, uh, but I look back on that experience um, now, real, because we paid it down and we kind of just, you know, uh, brushed off 
brushed our, our knees off and, and kind of uh, paid what we were required to pay. Um, but that experience really kind of taught me uh, to be okay with risk. Yeah. And so um, I'm, I think I'm a lot more risk adverse when it comes to things like investing or, you know, um, stock market or trying new things out. And what actually prevents a lot of people, in my opinion, from, from being able to build other sources of revenue, for instance, is that fear of losing money. And inevitably, if, if you're somebody who's interested in, in investing or you want to become an investor, um, you, you got to get over that fear because you're going to win some and you're going to lose some. The, the goal is just to win more than you lose. Yeah. So well, that's definitely one life lesson that, that I learned early on and, and am now grateful for it. At the time, it sucked. But. <laughs> no kidding. <laughs> Those are the hard ones, but they always, you're like, oh, this, I'm glad it happened. Yeah. Um, and I've gone on since then to, to lose other large uh, sums of money. But again, I've also gained, uh, you know, large sums of money through investment. So it's, again, it's just a matter of um, winning more than you lose uh, and getting over that fear uh, so that you, you can go out and try different things, um, learn what works and what doesn't. And yeah, that's super important. That's something I know that a lot of people need to, like investments, um, it's something that we all, I know myself needs to learn more about. Um, but it is, it's a little scary to put your yeah. money in something. Yeah, 100%. Um, so what is an activity or activities that you do that it's like you lose track of time? Those activities that you can just, you don't even know where the time went. <laughs> yeah. Well, sometimes design, like I'm not, I'm by no means a designer. Uh, but like, for instance, I'm working on a mock-up now um, for a project. And sometimes I feel like I missed my calling. Uh, not really, but you know, there was a, a point in my career where I was thinking about going down the design path and I didn't actually follow that to fruition, uh, but I still get my hands dirty with design. And sometimes, sometimes that can um, go by quite quickly. And then I look at the clock and be, be you know, I'm like, Oh my gosh, where'd the time go? Uh, and then sometimes just, you know, random projects. It, a lot of times it's, it's this idea of getting into a flow state, you know, for anyone that's familiar with that. Um, most of us have been there where you're doing something and you get so involved and the time just kind of uh, goes by so quickly. You almost get this pseudo euphoria type feeling. Um, that's actually been termed as flow. There's a book about it if anyone's interested. But I find if I can get myself in the right environment, um, try to avoid distractions. So that means maybe shutting off my email notifications, um, turning my phone notifications off. Sometimes I can get into that flow state um, with just about any type of project, as long as I have enough of a roadmap and have removed enough distractions. So that's, that's one thing that I, I try to practice and exercise, uh, you know, and, and it really, once you figure out how to kind of dial that in, it can make you quite efficient. Well, yeah, the distractions alone. I mean, I mean, yeah. all of us have been working, most of us have been working from home, the people that can. I mean, distractions of just like your laundry and your dishes and being like, well, kids I have time. And, yeah. exactly. Like if you have kids, if you got anything, you're like, well, I'm going to take a little time. And then you're like, I got nothing done today. <laughs> yeah, it's, this, yeah, the environment we're in is 
particularly challenging. Um, you know, it's, and so that's definitely something that people have to wrestle with. I find the best thing to do to really, you know, you have to proactively work to remove those distractions. And maybe it means that, hey, for the next two hours, I'm turning all of anything that chimes off. I'm putting a, you know, a, a, a note on my door saying, do not disturb unless the house is on fire. Um, so yeah, it seems like we have to work even harder now, uh, but we do live in a, you know, whether it's, whether it's work at home or work in an, an office environment, there are so many distractions. And so you have to be proactive and disciplined to turn those off, knowing that the world's not going to end if you don't check your email every, you know, 10 seconds. And that, that seems to be a big issue for a lot of people. I mean, I even struggle with it. Um, but the, a lot of the studies show that the switching cost, you know, going from one thing to another uh, can be, it, it can really deteriorate, you know, the quality of work that you do. And so segmenting and those things can be, you know, important. Uh, I, I've, uh, one of the books that has been kind of instrumental in um, some of my philosophies is a book called The 4-Hour Workweek. And Tim Ferriss, the author of, of that book, talks a lot about batching, you know, whether you batch meetings. I think before our, our call, you, you talked about how you had batched a bunch of uh, uh, interviews so that they can distribute them. So that's a good example of batching. You're going to say, okay, today I'm, is just all meetings day, or today I'm just doing communication follow-up, and today I'm doing deep work. I'm, you know, distractions are gone. I'm just going to get this task done and uh, drill through it. So that's another um, good discipline for those that can, can manage that. Well, I think that's super important too. It's just because you can just focus in on that one thing instead of going, I have two meetings here and then I got to get a little th something done in between here and none of it, like you get those meetings and then it's like afternoon and you're just like, I'll save it for tomorrow. So that's, that's a good, good point. Um, so you're from Spokane, right? Yeah. So we're in our Spokane community. Um, best restaurant in Spokane? Oh, that's tough. Uh, there's so many good ones. Um, I can tell you one of my favorites that is unfortunately no longer here. So I don't know how helpful that's going to be for anybody. Um, I was really fond of the Blackbird um, before they went out of business. And uh, I'm still mourning over the inability to get their signature burger. Um, so... Yeah. If in fact the other day I was like, oh, I wonder if I can find an old recipe and try to recreate that. Um, so that's gone. That's not here anymore. Um, but Spokane has so many great restaurants. It's hard to pick. Um, I go through these kicks uh, where I try different things. I know. I think two years ago my wife and I went to Vegas, and so we were trying all these, you know, greasy diners. And so I went through Spokane trying to figure out who has the best kind of uh, greasy, cheap burger and two that i like um obviously there's dicks like you know that you want a greasy wow. burger you gotta go to dicks there's uh believe it or not there's a place called classic burger in the mall which i always walked by in spokane valley mall yeah um, yeah most people don't know about it but their hamburgers all they do uh they're all fresh so their stuff is not flash frozen um you know nothing fancy but the first time I ate there, I was like, this is, this is as good as In-N-Out for those people that like In-N-Out. And, then, and that's, they, they, they said, yeah, that's kind of our claim to fame is we, we say we're better than In-N-Out. Um, 
So if you're looking for something like that, that's one thing. And then, and then now I'm on a cowboy yet. Sorry. Have you tried cosmic cowboy yet? No. Well, not for, no, not for hamburgers. I think I've had some burgers. Really? I'll have to try that out. Mm -hmm. And so now I'm on a gourmet burger kick. Um, as I moved on from the greasy burgers to the gourmet burgers, um, Wisconsin burger, uh, is great. If you've never been there. I haven't yet. Oh, so you got to go there if you're a hamburger fan. Um, you know, good uh, brews and beers. Um, their cheese curds are to die for. Mm, oh, I bet. Wisconsin. <laughs> yeah. Believe it or not, um, Twigs, like I, I hadn't gone there much, you know, in the last, gosh, nine or 10 years that we've lived here. Um, but I tried their hamburger, their signature burger, and it's one of my favorites as well. Well, yeah. Good. This is why I asked this question because it's for me. It's I want to know, or the people listening, I think it's good to know because most of the time people say the same thing. So these just these are brand new ones for me. Yeah, and then if you like, if you like more like foreign food, um, if you've never been to Kim's Korean Barbecue, I think that's the name. I know it's Kim's Korean something. Oh, look I it up. see, see, these are all so new to me. Well, that you have to do. It's a kind of a yeah, a Kins Korean restaurant. Um, it's a kind of a hole in the wall, but in the best way, you know. I love that. I love that. Yeah. So if you haven't, if you like trying something different or you like Korean food, um, that's a must, a must do. Um, so yeah, I could go on all day. Perfect. No, that's helpful. I love it. <laughs> so another question. Um, what is the one piece of advice you would give a younger you? Um, that's a good question. Uh, I think maybe to try to learn to like reading sooner. So I came into the enjoyment of reading in all of its formats, you know, in, in the print and audiobooks later in life. Um, and so that I think that's the one thing is, you know, try to instill that in myself earlier. So I never really enjoyed reading. Um, now I, now I can't get enough, of, you know, enough of books. So. Oh, that's a great piece of advice. I think I was the same way. I, as a kid, I was like hated book reports and I was like, yeah. really, I have to read. And right. now you're like, Oh, I wish I had time to read more. Yeah. Yeah, books are great. Like, I'm a very big nonfiction. Like, I very don't like a lot of fiction. Um, but the one thing I, that are that's so amazing about books is it's 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 the best way to get inside of someone else's head. And so I I look at books as the way to get in. You know, basically compress a wealth of knowledge into a small package. Like I'm reading right now, I'm reading um, Elon Musk's um, biography, but I've read, a, I read a lot from authors in, you know, the, the, the 30s or the turn of the century. Um, I've read a lot of stuff uh, that, that um, uh, Andrew Carnegie has, has done. And so you get a different perspective, which is really helpful, you know, especially in times like this. Um, it's really easy for us to get stuck into our own um, issues of the time. But when you have a good grasp on things like history, 
and the things that other people have lived through either personally or on a global or national level like it gives you really good perspective there's there's a couple books i mean i again i could talk about books all day so but a couple books if you ever want perspective there are a few i i recommend um there's a book called man's search for meaning and uh that is uh basically it's it's a Holocaust survivor who essentially created a form of therapy through his his experiences. Um, Victor Frankel is his name, and so that's definitely a must read, especially in times like that, like this, where it feels like you know we're living in an oppressed, divided society. Like that is um, a must read because it gives you perspective. Like wow, things could be a lot worse, and the fact that somebody could actually create um a system to embed himself and others throughout you know the the chaos that was that time is is kind of amazing there's another one called ghost boy which again if you're looking for perspective it's great it's about a a, a gentleman who was in a vegetative state for i don't know how many years but he he eventually came out of it and he just talks about really all of the horrid things he went through from from abuse to neglect. Um, so he was conscious, but unable to express any um, ability of consciousness. So for from all intensive purposes, those people on the outside just thought he was basically in a vegetative state. But he was, he was remembering and hearing all of these things. He was experiencing abuse and, and, you know, he obviously couldn't see. So he's kind of in this cocoon of, of, uh, darkness and wow. and so that definitely gives you perspective and then the the other one is um goodness i'm forgetting the name what is it i'm blanking it i'll i'll have to circle back but essentially the the idea behind that book is the author uh worked in the hospice um environment and and uh, basically cataloged all i think it's called the seven regrets of the dying let me look that up here um but basically she catalogs all of the um things that people that were on their last days of life would say and 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 that definitely is eye-opening because he's like wow uh you know you can learn from those yeah that's that sounds amazing actually i mean yeah yeah like something everyone should read yeah, uh, let's, I think it's the top, the top five regrets of the dying uh, by Bonnie Ware, if I'm getting that right. So yeah, that's a good book as well. Um, and that's one thing, like I live my life to the best of my ability, trying not to have regrets. Like that's my biggest fear. People ask me like, what's, what's your biggest fear? My biggest fear is getting to the end of it all and having a lot of regrets. And so I always think heavily about you know, that, that day, cause it comes for all of us. Mm-hmm. And this idea of, you know, back to the whole books thing, this idea of thinking on your, thinking about your death, not in a morbid, like, you know, uh, self-loathing way, but in a reflective way is also one of the, the core tenets of Stoic philosophy, which is um, also an area that I, I read a lot about this idea of, um, wrestling mentally with 
you know, with the fact that you're gonna, you're gonna pass away sometime. Um, and how do you want to live your life leading up to that event? And so those are not the only kind of books I read, but if you want to go really deep and you want to get some perspective, those are uh, three that you should put on your list. Awesome. Well, that is, I'm excited now. I'm going to like go back and save all of these because yeah. I mean, some of those sound amazing. Um, so how can the community support you connect with you or maybe if they're interested in some web design, how do we, how do we go about that? Sure. So um, our agency is uh, nleaf.com. Uh, so E N L E A F. Um, there you can look at things like uh, what we do, our portfolio. We actually have a, a series of free marketing tools on there as well. So not a lot of people really know about that, but that's a free resource that people can take advantage of. Um, whether somebody is really the you know, interested in pulling the trigger on a project or really just kind of wants to talk to somebody about some ideas. I'm always happy to pick up the phone, uh, you know, meet in person when, when all of that is uh, able to be done again um, and, and talk shop. So that's, that's kind of where we're at. Uh, you know, I, I'm not the, I'm not kind of a high pressure kind of person. Um, so I've had lots of meetings with people who are just curious about what it looks like to, to maybe start down the road path of getting a business online. But if you are ready for that next step, um, we can certainly help you, you know, throughout the whole gamut as well. Perfect. Well, thank you so much for taking time to chat with me today. Um, this was awesome. My pleasure. Yeah. Thanks for listening to Keeping Tabs. I'm Tabitha Kroc, and if you like what you heard, make sure you subscribe to my YouTube, iTunes, or Spotify to keep up to date on every Monday and Friday. Monday, we will talk to a different community member here in North Idaho, and then we'll end the weeks with the things that I'm passionate about, traveling, outdoors, adventures, the van life, sports, and of course, some current events. So thank you so much again, and we'll see you next time.